everyone, welcome back to the Book and Life podcast. Today we're going to have a brand new book guest on. Whether they're an author, an editor, a producer, you'll never quite know, so you're in for one hell of a ride. But today I just have to uh, do the adverts and then I'll get us straight into that most important conversation. And as as we do every week, um, I'm going to read The Shadow which is part of the Time Guardian series, and this is book four from Marianne Curley. The battle is over, the war is won. The prophecy complete, but life can't just pick up where it left off for Ethan, struggling to cope with tragic loss. At odds with friends in the guard, he finds himself adrift, jumping in shadows and sensing someone who can't possibly be there. Blaming herself for the goddess Athena's death, Giselle swears revenge to fullify the immortal's plan for world domination, but Giselle hadn't planned on love, and that leaves her with an unbearable choice. Should she follow her heart, or the strings of a goddess short on praise but high on expectation, who continues to pull her from the grave? As the guard and the order battles through the past and into an impossible future, darkness looks round every corner. The fight for the world's survival rests with just one. Is it friend or foe who stands in the shadow? And just a reminder that The Price of Freedom by Rosemary Aiken, sorry, Rosemary Rowan, um, is being donated to the Ukraine refugee crisis. And here's the blurb for her book. It's uh, one of her... Roman British crime series, which was written under her maiden name. All editions can be found online where all books are sold, even her agents donating her commission. Sorry, I don't have the blurb for that, but uh, that's that's what she's doing. And now, without further ado, let's get you to the guests. And welcome back to the Book and Life podcast, guys. Today we've got an amazing author coming on, and she's got some incredible stuff to tell you. I could not be more delighted to have her here. So without further ado, everybody, please welcome Elizabeth. Hello. Hi. Nice to be here, Crystal. So tell us about your latest novel. Okay. um, So my latest novel is called The Promise Tree. Um, and it's um, it's the second title I've written as Elizabeth J. Hobbs. All my other books have been written as Elizabeth Hobbs, um, yeah. but this one has elements of fantasy, mythology, sort of folklore in it. So the J is there to distinguish that from um, from my other writing. Yeah. Um, and the the Promise Tree is set in a um, a mill town in the north of England, which is where I've ended up living. Um, and it starts off in Edwardian Britain, and uh, it starts with a little boy called Edwin who goes off on his grandfather's land, and um, he climbs up a sycamore tree. He put, he pushes his way through sort of the, the hedge surrounding it and climbs up the tree um, to try to get a leaf to prove to his friend that he's climbed it. Um, yeah. And while he's there, he meets a little girl who's already in the tree. He falls yeah. out and breaks his arm um and he's forbidden from going back but he goes back a few weeks later meets a little girl again and as a result he's then banished from his grandfather's house um to go live with relatives in yorkshire um and then he returns when he's 21 
with only vague memories of the tree, the little girl, um, and and what um, and what he'd been doing there. Um, and then he meets the girl again, and she there is something strange about her that at first he doesn't believe, um, and she tells him that she's the spirit of the tree. Um, so it's Edwin's sort of journey to realising whether she's telling the truth or not, as well as the romance between him and uh, this girl, um, who he, he names Drusilla. Um, so it's, it's their that. romance over, well, over um, decades, actually, but it's sort of mainly around the early decades of the 20th century. Wow. That is fun. Yeah. I love that idea. And there's sort of that magicalness to it that I think mm. a lot of readers and listeners for this podcast will be going, oh, mm-hmm. I got to go yeah. check that one. I, I definitely will be putting my name down on the list for that one. Um, but what was your aha moment for this one? What was your moment where you're like, oh, I gotta write this story. So I think I think this one. Um, after my my first um, romanticy, which is a phrase that I've come across recently, romantic fantasy, which I love. Um, my first yeah. one was um, set in Yorkshire, and it was based around um, the mythology of Selkies. So the the woman in the heroine in that was. My cat has just come in and is clawing my legs because he's so rude, and he just basically sits and digs his. Oh, don't worry about it. Mine um, do the same. Yeah, <laughs> you're yeah. you're, you're in, you're a cat, you know, cat, good cat company. Yeah, no, um, no, mine doesn't no chance to get on, with it. on me. Um, anyway, so yeah. right, so put him away. Um, yeah, so my first book was um, based around the idea of Selkies, who are the seal people um, in sort of Scottish um, mythology well, and yeah. folk tales, and it got me thinking: what what other folk tales and other creatures might there be out there? Because you know, we have we have lots of stories in our culture and others as well, and. I remember talking to a friend and saying, oh, yeah, you know, what if there are centaurs, but they're actually Shetland ponies or things like that? Um, yeah. And it got me thinking, well, what what other mythological creatures are there? Um, and then I was thinking about dryads, which are the sort of spirits of, um, well, originally it was oak trees, but I think people generally think of them as being sort of olive trees and associate them with Greek mythology. Um, yeah. So I was thinking, well, you know, where, where would a dryad live in the UK um, and what sort of tree? And as I, as I say, so this um, the the town and the park where the book is set is very heavily based on where I live now, um, and we've got yeah. a lovely park within about ten minutes walk where I go to walk my dogs, um, and it's full of really old sycamore trees. And I just thought how wonderful it would be if there was actually a, a spirit of the tree living in the sort of trees that we're surrounded with. Um, and that got me thinking: well, you know, who would she be? What would she be? Um, and you know what? would her connection be as a kind of an ancient spirit um, mm-hmm. sort of bring her into the modern world? And I think it was that really where I started thinking, actually, yes, you know, she'd obviously have to meet somebody from the present day. Um, but obviously writing historical, I knew that the present day wasn't going to be our day. So, um, yeah. And then I just had this idea of people picnicking and the, the book opens on the day that uh, Edward VII was crowned king. Um, oh, I like that. That's, so, that's a, such a memorable moment too. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, Edwin Edwin's out with his friends, and you know, he, he sneaks off to go climb the tree, and basically ends up, you know, falling out, breaking his arm, and ruining the whole family um, family party. Um, of course, yeah. So Best it kind of went on do. from there, and then um, and it kind of grew. You know, I, I I always start off saying, "Oh yes, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to you know going to plot it all out," and then of course things happen, um, and. I end up changing things, and a lot, a lot more happens than I'm expecting to. Um, 
so originally Edwin is an orphan, um, but as I started writing, I started realising that there was more to his parents' death than um, than he realised, and this then built into the fact that he's got quite a damaged relationship with his grandfather, um, and so what led to that? So things kind of evolved out of out of that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so it kind of all evolved in itself. <laughs> I think that's such a good story and it's like a good aha moment to have mm. for like me when you said selkies I smiled because I grew up in Scotland in Shetland where we did the selkie play about right. you know, what it was like to be a selkie or a teenage selkie girl um, and I thought that was just amazing and it's one of the bases of my fantasy work is is that idea too and I think the law of Scotland is is such a, a great inspiration for all writers all over the world because we have mm-hmm. such deep rooted storytelling I think yeah. in our DNA and in our blood that I, I just love how that pours out of everybody um so where do you like what's the next project that everyone can be really excited about so the next one after this is um it's a gender swapped retelling of My Fair Lady oh um, okay which is which is currently titled My Fair Lord um and I like that. Yeah. Um that will be out in um late February twenty twenty four, so a little while that ago. I've seen amazing. the front cover of it and it's amazing. Um so that's I would say that. that that's the best moment because you're like, Oh, all that hours of like tears and straining yeah. myself and clawing my, my hair out was actually worth it. Like it's happening, it's real, it's there. Like Yes, it's yeah, see it. I, I know exactly touch it. it's yeah, like, you know, yeah, I've actually got a book, and then you see the pictures and think, yeah, brilliant. And um, yeah, yeah so that's that the one. best moment possible. Yeah, even I admit that. Like when I get my books, I've been doing this 15, 14, 15 years now, mm. and that moment where I touch it and I'm like, oh my god, it's real. Like you don't get the same feeling with ebooks, but when you're an author and you pick it up yeah. and you're like, yeah, to start I, doing this and yeah, I yeah, love I got that. a box actually. I've, I've um, just, I'm just recovering from COVID. I had uh, tested positive oh. two weeks ago, um, yeah. and while I was actually off work because I I teach as well, so I was off work yeah. for the whole week. Um, and a box of my author copies of the Promise Tree arrived, and it was so yay. You know, it's it's just so lovely Good to have job. them there physically. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I, I, I don't know about too. you, but I I still get the imposter syndrome. Yeah, um, I do too. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it is. It never goes away. The imposter yeah. syndrome is like literally sticks with you and you just have to kind of be like, yeah, no. Like you kind of have to almost undo that negative way of thinking mm. and that's that stupidity that you, ha- you end up in your head where you're like, eh. yeah. So it's, yeah, it- I totally get that. Yeah, it's it's really hard though, isn't it? You know, and I think especially, you know, I don't, I don't know about you, but, you know, because I have another job as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, for three days a week, I'm in school, I'm teaching, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm there doing that job. So then coming home and writing, um, uh, which of course is very solitary, it feels very odd. So it almost doesn't feel real. And I think possibly, you know, because you have the lag where it takes, you know, seven or eight months to write a book. And then obviously there's the revisions and everything before you even get, you know, before you get the sign off. Um, yeah. So I think it's, it's very weird sort of actually thinking yes this is really happening this is actually me as well um yeah I get that feeling like when I sit down and I'm like oh okay I need to go through like this mountain of stuff this mountain of emails and I need to figure out Mm -hmm. what am I doing here um 
yeah and i i've always felt that way like i've always felt and then when i go do the author talks and you're sitting there with these people and you're talking about the book and your journey and everything mm-hmm. and you're like oh i actually have made it this is this is what it feels like i mean you don't think of that when you're sitting at your computer and you're going what would that character do like what would this person do what would that person do yeah and you have to try and figure it out yourself or you end up going to your friends and you say can't figure this out help you know um and that was that's the very frustrating part for me yeah the not being able to figure stuff out I I just want to pull my hair out completely and I think that's the downside of being an author is that we are solitary because we have to have really tight focus on what we're doing mm. and we have to know where we're going with everything and there's a kind of almost like an organizational discipline and persistence elements to it and i know that i mentioned this in a lot of podcasts but if you don't have those three elements you never get anything done yeah and it's like an endless cycle of trying to get through and i think that's that's also really important um, yeah to understand that too so what would you say has been the most exciting kind of a part of this journey for you so far? What's the uh, bit that you just like, this is the moment that I thought, wow. I think for me, um, with um, with Daughter of the Sea, the Selkie book, it was shortlisted for the RNA, the, the um, Romantic Novelist Association. Um, it was shortlisted for um, Fantasy Romance of the Year in... Oh, do you know, I can't remember what year it was. I, all the years have gone. I found that since COVID, I can't even remember, you know, how long yeah, ago I things were. Yeah, I get that way too. Um, yep. So not yep. last I get year, that way too. It must be 21, maybe, 2020, 21. Um, and it yeah. was shortlisted, um, which was amazing. And obviously I knew ahead of time. So I had to go to my head teacher and say, look, I'm going to need an afternoon off work so I could go to the awards ceremony in London. Um, yeah. And that was great. And I think, you know, that went a long way to sort of alleviating some of the imposter syndrome. Um, yeah. Actually sitting there, you know, in, in the hotel with other writers, lots of writers that I've read as well. And thinking, oh, my God, it's so-and-so. And and I didn't win, um, but it kind of didn't matter. The fact that I got that far was just amazing. Um, the nomination means more than sometimes winning it does. Yeah, and just, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah, just, you know, get, getting to be there and think, yes, actually, you know, I can hold my own um, in in these circles, which, you know, which was really good. So that was great. Yeah, um, th- there's almost that feeling when you first go to the conferences, you're like, oh, yeah. shit, I have no idea what I'm doing. And then you kind of like try to pretend that you know what you're doing. And yeah. then what you slowly realize is that all of us is doing the same thing. We're yeah. all of us like socially in depth because we haven't done it for so long. And we're all socially going, Yeah. Am I doing this right? You know? Yeah. Kind of thing. And and that goes on and on until you eventually get to the part where you're comfortable. Yeah. I hope I will one day. <laughs> I haven't been to the it conferences. Does come. It does come. When you've had that really yeah. awesome dinner and that round table and mm. and you kinda have that chat, then yeah, it it kind of just slows everything down and you're like oh okay yeah so yeah um, yeah you, usually usually because um i mean this year it was in the summer holidays and i was away um yeah. but uh, usually it's about two weeks before the end of term and i'm absolutely mm-hmm. shattered um mm-hmm. because you know te- teaching is such a full on job I, t- I teach year one as well so they're, they're five and six oh. year olds um yeah. so usually the last two weeks of july i'm dead on my feet so a couple of times i've actually gone down on the friday night stayed in the hotel near the conference rather than going straight to it 
um, and yeah. just slept and then turned up on the Saturday morning a bit more awake. Um, you have to. You have yeah. to. And it's also the traveling part too. Like that's mm-hmm. the part that everybody doesn't realize wears you out. Like it, yeah. it's the physical traveling to it setting mm. your stuff down realizing all right have i got everything what do i need what do i need to do yeah what am i needed you know what's my schedule what's my itinerary and then from there you you know that all adds on to the tiredness never mind mm. if I, you're a teacher or the fact that you've been working with five-year-olds i was a learning support teacher and i used to come in and i'd be like oh and then i'd yeah. have a two-hour nap and then i'd be like yes okay i can write i gotta go yeah, can do it. and then yeah. just charge straight in you know uh, but mm-hmm. see if I, because I was in primary school as a learning support teacher, and if yeah. I did not have that two-hour nap when I got in, I was just awful for the rest of the day. I was like, oh. Yeah. Um, but it was so worth it just having that that interaction with kids and almost kind of keeping up with them because they yeah. change so quickly. And what's, the, you know, the phase and everything else changes so quickly. Mm. And I feel like it improved me as a writer by yeah. doing that learning support job and, and having that connection with kids. Um, yeah. And I think that's super important if you are doing fantasy that's aimed at YA or aimed at that kind of, because most people who pick up YA are just kids that haven't really grown up mm. as well. Like they're just looking for that magic in the world. And I think that's where sometimes being around kids actually helps you be ahead of everybody because you've got that magic already there. Because yeah. kids are infectious with that kind of thing. Yeah, I'm quite lucky because my my own kids. I mean, my my daughter is such a huge reader. She's um, 16 and a half now, so she's introduced me to a lot of YA books. Um, yeah, and you know, sure, she reads a lot of stuff. She she's never read any of mine. Um, <laughs> I keep saying, pick one up, it's all right. But I think there's that kind of you know, too close. Um, but yeah, she introduces yeah. me to a lot of um, a lot of authors as well um, in the YA area. So um, you know, I that's really much from my point of, of view. Like- yeah, you yeah. get a list probably every time you go to the romance convention of, can I get autographs from this, 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 yeah. this, 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 this <laughs> author, please? You know, like the, the, the long shopping list and you're like, I'm going to need two suitcases to come back. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> two extra suitcases here. Yeah. You know, like, I always think that's funny because whenever I go to book signings and book tours, I always come back with a book and mm. Hubby looks at me and he's like, we have 700 books in this house and you really want another one? Yeah. <laughs> I got to... And I'm um, like, I- I managed when it was her 15th birthday, I think. Um, I don't know yeah. if you've come across a, a series um, called Ink. Um, yes. Yeah, yes. I have, yeah. And I think the third one was just released just before her birthday. Um, and I messaged the author on uh, Twitter and I managed to get her a signed copy um, with, oh, wow, with her name yeah. in it. And I was like, oh, yes, big brownie points for that one. Um, so that yeah, was good. Was like, oh, yes, you know, some advantages to um, to doing this. To be, yeah, because I yeah. mean, it, like when I'm, I collect. So if I love an author's work, I'll collect as much of their work mm. as I can. And then what I do is I either make sure that I'm there for a signing that they're going to be doing, or I like message them and say, if I send all of these copies to you, will you sign them and send them back? Yeah, I'll pay for the shipping. And most of them are really, really good, and they'll be like, yeah, of course. And, yeah. And that to me is like the upside to this job in a way because you know there's a lot of downsides to doing this work I think um mm. but having that I always think is is a really good upside yeah so I think so and I think best yeah what's the best book you've read this year what's the one book that you can think of that you're like everybody needs to check this out 
Okay, it was um, it was one, and actually, I do. I keep telling all my family and friends. It's um, a, by a woman called Barbara Kingsolver, and it's called Demon oh, Copperhead. Yeah. Um, and basically, yeah. it's a retelling of Davy Copperfield, um, oh, set okay. in yeah. the Appalachian Mountains in sort of the late eighties, early nineties. I'm guessing, and it's it's just so clever because I mean, I don't know if you know Davy Copperfield at all. Um, I do. But yeah. it's, it's one of the ones that is not one of them massively familiar with although i did see the film um there was a really good film version came out a couple of years ago um Mm -hmm. but you know it it starts off it and she manages to take all the characters all the situations and put them so convincingly into this other landscape of this whole other culture um but the themes are the same you know because you're talking about a very poor area um you know a lot a lot of sort of you know drug use people in real sort of you know, economic straits and there's obviously all the stuff about you know the families and his mother remarrying yeah. and and things so and it was it was so well written um we went to um france and spain we've got a small caravan and we went to um, france and spain over mm-hmm. august and i just remember yeah. sitting there dry you know in the campsite ignoring the family um you know they'd all be going off for swimming i'm like yeah yeah i'm just gonna finish this one um but it was the the world was so convincingly created um, yeah. And there were bits as well that, you know, I'd known from the story that I knew they were obviously coming up and I wasn't quite sure how she was going to do it. And then it's like, yeah. oh, yeah, of course, that's such a clever way of doing it. So I really like the way people take something well known and then sort of put a twist on it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think yeah. that's the thing, like world creation is so, so important mm. that you can't create a world unless you do that. Like when I did Marie's world, I took the idea of, well, what would it be like if I took every one of these main characters and gave them a book from their perspective Mm. and they have their almost like their own little series where we build up their Mm. stories so it all of them intertwine so if you kind of always think of it like a spider web yeah and most adventurous idea i've ever had because i I agreed to do 64 books in that one series um 64 wow yeah and i'm still working through it i'm like okay we're we're getting somewhere like but this is where i'm at and for me just trying to figure that point forward sometimes Mm. I have to kind of go back and look at notes and think world creation yeah plot and then the characters you have to know how to balance all three and that's like super important and I think that's something for writers if you're listening you might be strong in one area and you might not be as strong in another area but work on the area you're not as strong in because really good storytelling is about getting all three elements to work Mm. together it is a jigsaw puzzle and it is a nightmare to wriggle all of them together yeah but it is it is worth it because when you finish at the end of the day you can go aha this is perfect i've got this and it's worthwhile i think that to me is 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 something that i always give that advice to when it comes to authors and it comes to different different people yeah I agree I mean I think I think keeping the notes as well because I mean one of my things is losing track of time and ages and years and things like that and what season it is um so you know the idea of doing it with that many interlinked characters just blows my mind (laughs) yeah I mean I I of course I had twins in my my series so they're twin sisters and they turn on each other and one Mm. of them publishes one twins diaries to the world and the other one is kind of like the hell just happened to me i'm already famous i'm already dealing with that mess now you've just put my diaries out there like there's no secrets anymore there's nowhere to hide and that 
was the initial concept of the the drama that I wanted to build mm. moving forward. And I'm still learning that. Like I'm still piecing the little pieces together. I'm I'm six or seven books in. Yeah. Thank God I have a co-writer. If Joe, if you're listening to this, I love you. You're totally saving my butt half of the time. <laughs> Because he'll read my stuff. I do the majority of the writing and then he reads mm. it and he comes back and he went, you went off the cliff like 20 pages ago. Come back here. Yeah. And he's just, you can almost imagine him grabbing the back of my jumper and pulling me back to the point I was supposed to be at, dropping mm. me and saying, right, go straight ahead, but don't go off the next cliff. You know, yeah. like he's almost like that guiding spirit that keeps like reining me back in. Um and bless him, like, he, he just retired from wrestling. He does acting and he does all these other things. Uh-huh. And so the fact that he's he stuck around for 13 years working on this series with me. That and is pretty good. Some, some, mm. Yeah, and I'm like, sometimes I really feel sorry for him because it's been <laughs> such a long journey. Um, but yeah, I think, and for me, jumping between genres is literally just building different worlds. And mm. I, I love creating that feeling. I love bringing magic together and pulling it all together and, and seeing where it goes I think is also the fun of it too so I love that that's something that you would do and I, I definitely will be putting your your book out there I think it's an incredible read I know my mother would absolutely adore it um, <laughs> and I'm getting ready to celebrate her 60th birthday this weekend so yeah. um, as always madness in this house um, but yeah like that's that's the thing what's what's your thing to do to balance out your writing life and your normal life like how do you balance that on a day-to-day basis um I think because because I you know because of the teaching there are three Mm. days where I really can't think of much else um although having said that I've got um voice to text app so as I'm driving to work I've got about a 30 minute drive to work um I'll often put it on and dictate scenes and then mm-hmm. um, email them to myself, and you know, copy the copy it into the text, um, just to get ideas down. But I think yeah. because I'm so full on at work, I don't really have the chance to think about the writing time. Um, what I do have to be very conscious of is making sure that I'm not spending the days when I'm writing doing other stuff. Um, yeah. Because I'm, I mean, I, mean I, I know I'm very, very lucky that I can um, have a couple of days a week to dedicate to writing. But it's very yep. easy for those days to become non-writing days. Um, yeah. So, you know, my, my husband will sort of say, oh, well, you know, oh, can you just go take the car for the MOT? Or, oh, can you just do this? Or I'll do the shopping. Or I'll think, oh, yeah, I'll just yep. you know, put and the washing out. Like, and, and it just yep. goes. Yep, um, it does. Like, I, I've yeah. seen myself get up at 6 a.m. and, like, write three hours of writing. Nobody yeah. interrupt me. Just three yeah. hours. I never get the three hours. No. Never, ever, ever get the three hours. I have now figured out on my computer focus time yeah so there's always I don't get emails I don't get it I don't get IMs I don't get phone calls I just set that up I turn my phone on silent and I mm-hmm. try to get in that time and if I didn't do that I've actually started having to do it at night as well like mm. to, so I could continue getting that writing time in yeah. and it's it's just driven me come it's giving me the drive almost to be okay I know what I'm doing this is how I'm going to focus this is how I'm going to get through it yeah um and I, I tried to do I the 45 do minute blasts as well, you know, turn my phone off, turn the internet off um, yep. and just write for 45 minutes. Um, I would again, do that except for I need the music to write. Into it. I do, I <laughs> and see, I'm I, like, God darn it. See, I don't think I could write with music. I mean, interesting. I do tend to have 
each book tends to have like a song that goes with it, almost like a theme song. Yeah, um, that's how mine is. Yeah, but, yeah, but I don't think I can actually listen to it. Um, so I do like no, I like silence, and I'll go to the library and I'll write in the library sometimes because oh, those, at least those then, type, yeah, yeah, those are amazing. Yeah, yeah, I and I just know too, then yeah. I won't be on the internet and just because I, don't, you know, I find that when I'm researching something because there's the historical aspect of it, even though yeah. I've got the fantasy, the the history has to be grounded in it. Um, and obviously yeah. my other books are straight historicals um, and I can't, I'm, I'm autistic, so I can't leave things. Yeah. I cannot just think, oh, actually, I'll come back to that later. And I'm getting much more disciplined yeah. at kind of making myself a note and writing like, you know, XJCK type of sword all in one word so that I can then go look for yeah. it later because otherwise I'll just flip up the internet and that'll be it I've gone and you know 20 minutes later I'll have I won't have found yeah. the type of sword that somebody might have used but I will have found lots of interesting facts about something else um, yep. and then you're like oh I could fit this in here and I could yeah yep yeah, I've yeah. been there it's called it's called the google black hole yeah we all do it we yeah. all get into the google black hole yeah it's yeah it's, it's very frustrating yeah. and then you come up with like one detail that most people won't even notice but you know yourself is right and then um but I wait I waste so much time in the day doing that so I say I have to turn the internet off and if I'm out of the house that's even better um yeah but, and yeah I mean, come, come, I'm I'm learning that kind of those little tricks. Like I've mm. been doing it so long that almost I thought, oh, oh I'll always have that desire to write above mm. all else. But you have like friends and your family and you have all these things that want to pull you away. Yeah. And uh, it, it gets it gets very frustrating and annoying, I definitely would say. Um, yeah. I used I, to, I, think... um, I mean, I used to be quite bad when when I was starting off and I'd have the deadlines and I wasn't quite confident about writing to the deadlines so much. Um, I'd yeah. go off in and write in the evening for an hour and then my husband was saying, come on, this is not fair, you, you know, we've got the family time, we've got kids and things. So now I'm much better at not writing in the evening. Um, yeah. Although that does mean I have to be much more focused during the day. Um, but I think that, yeah, trying to fit around families, that is the very hard thing, you know, not taking my laptop on holiday if we go away. Um, or, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah, never that, said that. I, I will can't always... do that. There's always, yep, there's always notes on my phone, and as I say, because I've got the dictation thing, I can just yep. go take the dogs for a walk and do a bit of dictation um, and work when nobody notices, really. Um, yeah, it, it can yeah. be annoying. Um, like, I know for me, like, the the balancing element, I've never gotten right. I've mm. never figured it out, and I drive people insane. Well, you survived the Book and Life podcast. That was <laughs> easy, wasn't it? It wasn't yeah, it was as great. difficult or as hard as everyone thinks. Um, no, I didn't hope it was yeah no I it's, it's it lovely I, I do find it's funny because you know obviously I spend a lot of each day talking to kids but actually talking yeah. to adults is quite a different thing um, I know I'm, with, I'm yeah. with you on that I could I mm. literally if there's a kid and he's like looks more interesting than the adult I am mm. the person that gets down on my knees and I have a conversation with the kid and yeah. my mother will be like the adults are up here yeah like would you focus and I'm it's like, like yeah but we're talking about worms or something yeah yeah, yeah. like I'm like this more interested down here yeah like, this is more interesting you know like and and my mom just goes you, you've never grown up you're you're still this like eight nine year old kid sometimes yeah. and I'm like well yeah because sometimes it's fun to be the adult and the grown up and do all the adult things but yeah. it also is nice to kind of get down to somebody else's level and have fun and just not think about the consequences of it yeah and stuff like definitely that. yeah so, I mean, it's been a pleasure having you on. I look forward to, hopefully, I can get a copy from my mom. I know she'll love the book. And I'll ha definitely have you back when your next one comes out next year. Uh, we'll Fantastic. We'll get you all booked in and we'll have, you, we'll have it out 
two weeks before your release next year, and, and we'll definitely plan ahead and have some fun. But honestly, it's been amazing having you on. I love having different authors from different worlds coming on and having detailed conversations about yeah. really important things. And I think we touched on really important elements today mm. that a lot of writers can take away from this and um, grow from and, and expand mm. on. So thank you so much for coming thank on. Thank you. Thank you very much guys, for having me. <laughs> guys, you're going to want to check back next week. We have another female author on tonight. Um, or I will be talking to them tonight. You guys will be hearing it the following week. But you're definitely going to want to hear what she's got to say. And she's got a book you will be dying to enjoy. So without further ado, I shall catch you all later. And please be safe while listening to this podcast. I have to wait until it stops.